Hey everybody, this is Brett with the Indie Comic Dispatch. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast version of Broadcast from the Dispatch. On this week's episode, we feature an all-star panel to discuss Afrofuturism. John Jennings, Stacey Robinson, William Jones, Brian Lambert, and Yuarney Hughes join Tier and I as we discuss Afrofuturism, its impact on comics, and really everything in between. We had some great interaction from the live social media audience, which you'll hear some of those questions asked during the show. As always, Broadcast from the Dispatch is a live stream. You can catch us most Wednesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on all the Indie Comic Dispatch's social media channels. Or just keep tuning into the podcast here. We love having you download the podcast and listen to it. If you could like and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform, that would help us immensely. But without any further ado, here's the recording from the live broadcast of Broadcast from the Dispatch. Good evening, everybody, and broadcasting from a location deep within the Milky Way galaxy, welcome to Broadcast from the Dispatch. Welcome. What's going on? It's another Wednesday. Another Wednesday. Another Wednesday, another episode, and an episode that I am super excited about tonight. Um, a few oh, yeah. of my heroes within the indie comic and uh, black comic genre are on tonight, mm-hmm. and I'm excited. Um, some familiar faces, some new faces. Um, all in all, it's, I think it's going to be a great evening. I agree. I agree. So all of y'all out there who are listening, watching, all that good stuff, make sure you get your questions in. Yeah. So. Yeah, this we're is the perfect right time now. to ask questions. They're actually here, and so um, pop pop your questions in the channel for the in, in the comments section below for them, and we'll ask them as long as they're appropriate. Um, exactly, <laughs> appropriate questions, people. Yeah, no, no craziness. <laughs> so brief, brief brief update. Last week we we launched our Patreon on last week's Wednesday night show, yep. Patreon.com/slash/indiecomicsdispatch. We already have five patrons, yeah. um, and we said when we get to ten patrons, we're going to do a live D and D session with Scorpio, who last week had no idea what D and D stood for. Yes, so, <laughs> that changed the that changed the whole direction of the conversation. That we're I'm looking forward to that. So if we get five more patrons, we're going to do that. Uh, Chris from Homebrew Comics says he would be a, a DM for us. Yep. And so I'm actually not that versed in D and D. My daughter plays all the time, but I've only played like twice ever. So it's been a while since I played, but I, I don't mind getting back into it. Um, <laughs> I played that, like I played that, and then I got into Champions and uh, Riffs. Um, I have no so, idea what any of that is. It's, it's, uh, well, riffs is like a it's it's riffs is hard to explain. It's like a I feel like a future never. type 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 <laughs> game. And champions is more of a superhero type. Uh, okay, type deal. So very good. Well, you ready to introduce our guests? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. Well, oh, yeah. first. I'm going to welcome to the stream just because his bio is first in my document here. <laughs> Professor John Jennings is a curator of the Megascope List and illustrator of the graphic novel adaptations of Olivia E. Butler's Kindred and Parable of the Sower. He's professor of media and cultural studies at the University of California, Riverside. John, welcome. Hey, thank you. 
Welcome. Right? Welcome. Thank you for being here. Hey, anyway, how y'all doing? <laughs> I love doing you well, doing well. Interactive, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Next, no problem. Thank you so much for being here. Next up um, in his blazer this evening is Stacy Robinson, an Arthur Schomburg fellow, completed his Master's of Fine Arts at the University of Buffalo. Um, his art speculates futures where black people are free from colonial influences he is also part of the collaborative duo black kirby which explores afro speculative existence as the via the aesthetic of jack kirby and his partner in that is also here this evening john <laughs> yeah. stacy welcome yeah how you doing <laughs> <laughs> doing well. well how are you how are you sir y'all gonna get this blazer tonight Man, <laughs> you are the best dressed guests we've ever had. Like, oh, right on, right on. <laughs> you just get up here and it's like, usually I'm either in a hoodie or <laughs> another form of a hoodie. Like, right. I, I had no idea what the dress code was. I was like, yo. <laughs> now you've had something new to the guest list that we have to explain. So you, cussing's okay and you don't have to wear a blazer. Okay, right on. <laughs> Next up, William Jones is president and founder of the Afrofuturism Network. He is a historian, comic book geek, writer, educator. Jones is a sought-after public speaker on the subjects of history of Black people in America, the image of Black people in various forms of media, pop culture, and hip-hop music, just to name a few. He is the author of the book The Ex-Con Voodoo Priest, Goddess and the African King, a social, cultural, and political analysis of four Black comic book heroes. William, welcome. What's going on? What's going on? Thank you so much for having me. No problem, man. Thank you for being here. Um, next up, Brian Joseph Lambert. Um, I feel like I'm his father getting him in trouble when I say it. Um, <laughs> is the award-winning lead contributing writer at Wingless Entertainment. He specializes in bringing diversity to action, adventure, and fantasy and sci-fi worlds in 2017. Uh, while earning his Bachelor of Fine Arts and Creative Writing at Full Sail University, he published his first novel, Ascension, The Crucian Saga, Book One. In 2019, he earned a master's degree in entertainment business and released Justice Issue Number Zero, followed by Justice Number One in 2020, as well as Nightfall Part One, also as part of the Wingless Comics uh, series. Brian friend of the show welcome back and got a blazer another oh, blazer yeah, yeah I, not to be out blazered that's hilarious that is hilarious that Brit, is you good. got a Brit, you got a blazer I don't. Well, I do upstairs, but I'm in the basement. This is where I have one. Yeah. The, the last, the last blazer-like top I have is my military uniform, and that's in the closet. I'm not oh, pulling right. that out. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we're going to welcome you, Warren Hughes. Uh, he is the CEO of Great Gale LLC, as well as the writer and illustrator of Bold Saga, Brave Onwards, Limit Destroyer. He is a husband has an AAS in commercial art, digital technology, and has mentored others in this field as the Computer Graphics Club president. After a decade of experience in graphic design, illustration, and more, he noticed a gap regarding the manga industry. Um, so he utilized all his creative skills to produce and self-publish an Afrofuturistic manga that celebrates African culture, a manga that will inspire and empower the next generation of young kings and queens. queens. Barney, welcome. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for being here. <laughs> your money inspired this whole night. He he contacted me and said, hey, I, I'd love to be on your show. And I said, you know what? Let's do an Afrofuturism night. And so um, <laughs> he was here. So if you have a bad time, blame you on me. He doesn't even have a blazer on. Uh, right? Oh my gosh. I can't. Right. That He's that dude. I can't. Oh, gentlemen, thank you all for being here. Um, and and I, I look forward to tonight again if you have uh, questions comments out there you're watching feel free to pop them in the comments section we will do our best to get to them um sometimes we have a lot sometimes we have just a few so we're looking forward to that if you guys have any comments feel free to ask but i thought i'd start first um we did introductions but is there anything else anybody wants to add about themselves that i didn't cover i would like to point out that stacy robinson is an assistant professor of graphic design at the University uh -huh. of Champaign. That is awesome. That's yeah, awesome. that bio is mad old. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh. It's like I gotta, I gotta search the web and delete all of those. Um, yeah. Those old yeah, bio. I pulled that from to be honest. No, hey, no worries. Everybody does. That's all I wanted to point out. That's it. And then um, it. across the tracks, uh, latest book across the tracks is dropping May fourth. Yeah, very good. Race massacre and rebuilding. Very good. And uh, John, you actually just had a book drop too. Yes. Yes. I have a copy. Well, actually, I have a copy right here. I, actually, I do have a copy right here, but it's like there's so much stuff around it. But yeah, um, the uh, 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 After the Rain, which is the first uh, Megascope book, which is a um, adaptation of the short story On the Road by Nydia Corafor. So it's a narrative book, Corafor. So a Niger American um, science fiction fantasy writer. I'm actually trying to grab a copy of it, and I do actually have a book. Oh, there we go. I always come prepared, right? There you go. There you go. Nice. Look at that spot. Bling, bling. Bling. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's uh, January 5th, and then, you know, the whole world imploded, and I'm sure no one was thinking about my book. So, you know, thanks. So, appreciate that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He just hey, Trump derailed everything. I know, man. He didn't on purpose because he hates me. Yeah. What's that, William? I said, can I promote an upcoming Comic-Con if yes. things are still standing? Yeah, so uh, me and my partner, uh, Mr. Chad Eric Smith of Mr. Duke Productions, we're putting on GrillCon 2021, Silver Spring, Maryland, this September. So we tried to have it last September, but you know how things happen. So hopefully this September, Silver Spring, Maryland. Oh, very good. You said GrillCon? Real. RioCon. RioCon. Okay. Yeah, I, was like, nice. yeah. I was like, okay, we grilling and con? I'm like, right. Taking the blazer off for that. I know, right? Keep us very right on. Well, let's um let's jump right in. So my guess is there's people listening either tonight or after the fact via the video that'll be out there or on the podcast that'll be released uh, tomorrow, um, and they're wondering what the term Afrofuturism is. Um, and so I know we have we have a diverse listener base. Um, so let's um, let's open it up with what is Afrofuturism. That's always the first thing. Whoever wants to go first. Mm -hmm. I actually wrote out a definition of how I was going to, because, you know, that's, I knew that was going to be the first question. That's always the first question. So I was like, 
of a philosophical and critical making practice that engages with Afrocentric interdisciplinary narratives that deploy speculative tropes to deal with tensions around black subjectivity and negotiations around black lives and possible black presence, past and future. I say all to say is like using science fiction and fantasy to deal with like political issues around what it means to be black in, a, mm. in the diaspora, you know, so okay. is that okay? Yeah, I like that. I love yeah. that definition. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to rework. I was just trying to think because you know the the older definition uh, that uh, Mark Derry uh, that deals with twentieth century techno culture and cyborgs and such, but it doesn't. At the time, it wasn't dealing with the diaspora. You know, right. so you know, we're right. dealing more with the black experience as a worldwide experience, and then thinking about how various types of uh, political economies are dealt with through speculative fiction. So these days I talk about myself as an Afro-speculative creator. So because right. we, we do horror, science fiction, fantasy, all of that. It's not just about thinking about the future, but it's also how do you change the future by thinking about what's going on right now, but also using speculation to do that. So mm -hmm. that's how I, I'm at it. I love that. I love that. That's Anybody amazing. have something to add? Because I, I have a follow-up question to that based on that. Um, um, so, only thing I would add, oh, you first. I don't want to cut no, you no, go ahead. You already oh. go. I was just going to say one thing I could add to it is that, um, in my opinion, Afrofuturism rewrites the narrative because we've been accustomed to hearing things for a certain way for a certain time. So it allows you to rewrite the narrative. It allows you to break the limits of what was by imagining what could be. And mm -hmm. that's so uplifting, empowering, and inspiring, and all of that evokes agency. Yes, yeah. I love that, and that's one reason. I don't. I don't know if Brian um, Lambert considers himself an Afro, um, a writer of Afrofuturism, but um, when he was on the show to, to do representation in comics, um, he said, when I asked the question, "What stories are missing about black men?" He said, "All of them." Mm -hmm. right. And looking to the future of that um, and what's missing and rewriting that future, you aren't is exactly right. And that's exactly why I invited Brian on the show, actually. Mm -hmm. There's a, <laughs> um, your there's back, a, there's a, what was it? Spaceballs, if you guys remember, super, not super old movie, but pretty old movie, right? There's a part where um, they're supposed to be combing in the desert and you make the, the joke, like, you know, there's an actual, like, combs, yeah. combed, right? Have the bite with the, the last stormtroopers and they got the pit, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, they so have like, a fist at the top. We ain't found shit, right? But uh, <laughs> it's like a, a very, uh, um, it's microcosmic of what Afrofuturism is, right? In terms of giving black people the same task, less tools, less experience, less, and then us imagining the more. Like, that's one of the things and one of the reasons I love um, how the speculative fiction movement is mixing in. You get authors like Okafor, uh, Milton Day. I mean, obviously, tons of people, everybody who's on this panel right now doing the same thing. And it um, mm -hmm. it's crazy that we have Afrofuturism. I love it, right? I love it to death. But the fact that there was a period before where people didn't imagine Black people in the future mm -hmm. says everything that you need to know about Afrofuturism. Yeah. It, right. it's, the, mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the opposite. It's the inverse reaction to that um, attempt to, to erase us from from, from the future, from everything, from existence. Right. Right. Yeah, and, right. if it, and if you did see us in the future, it was like one in the galaxy far, far away. Yeah. <laughs> that's a long, long time ago, too. Man. <laughs> you know, and it's like, how did, how did he get there? Is, right. is he a clone? Is he a clone trooper? Like, is that how he got there? Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, I remember Space Spaceballs was one of my. I don't know. I liked that movie growing up as a kid. If I'm not mistaken, didn't that pick have a Black Power fist at the top of it? I think it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as soon as you started saying, I just started thinking about it. I'm like, I think it had the you know hey, the Black Power fist. Brooks at the top. was on it, man. Mel Brooks yeah. always had a very, very um, strong commentary voice, regardless of what was going on. And I think that we are in an age, um, informational, information wise, and everything else that that we can. Um, expound upon the voices that you know came before us. For me, that's what Afrofuturism is, right? Expounding on mm-hmm. on the narratives and, and the the folk tales and and everything that is black culture and making it just culture. You know what I mean? Like making it as as at home as other people do, feeling feel calling their culture just culture. Yep, just what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always like to use the example of of the Walking Dead television series. Right. When if you if 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 that is the future, right? Because we the time, at least up to the point I was watching it, they never really said what time that was. Mm-hmm. Right. So if that is the future, if you have Michonne and um and um what's my man's and Morgan in there, right? Just mm-hmm. to name a few, right? That is the Afro future. It's dystopian, but we in there and we surviving, mm-hmm. right? And defining that future, right? Got some issues with it. Are we gonna talk about the, the treatment of brothers on The Walking Dead? Is that what we're about to do? Eating all the way up. He got done. I think like, like the, the thing that, that that really got me into Afrofuturism first for me, I was already one before it was a word. You know, I you know, before I was familiar with the term, I mean that's me from birth. Right. And the thing that was interesting for me was, you know, growing up, and I'm sure everyone on this panel has the same story. You're looking for yourself in the comics and the cartoons and so forth. And when we're there, we're underrepresented, we're misrepresented. Uh, we're, we're put in a space where as a young person, you didn't be that guy if you're, if you're watching a cartoon, you see the black character and so forth. So I was always looking for myself, and this was something that was talked about within my family, you know, because I've been comic collecting since I was a kid. So this was a conversation we were having in the, in the home. So I was always tuned into this idea of where was I in these stories? You know, I mean, I don't know how far back the panel goes, but I can remember Rick and Rocket, you know, with a bl- bunch of black kids in the junkyard, you know, but at the same time, you juxtapose that to Scooby-Doo, two right. different two different looks, you know, um, one black character, you know, that would be like the background character in science fiction, fantasy, and so forth. So that was something that I was always tuned into. Where was I in these stories? Mm-hmm. And, you know, combining that with my love of history, this was the perfect space for me. And then I found out that there was a, a term or a coin term for this, you know, it just fits perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I was too. I mean, you know, I came across the term maybe a little bit over a decade ago now, you know, and, you know, it's based off of like uh, these, these, these cyborgs I was making, you know, these black cyborgs and I was making them because they seemed like a natural way to talk about mm-hmm. stereotypes and, you know, these uh, systemic issues around stereotyping. And then someone said, oh, you know, this looks really Afrofuturist. And I didn't, I had never heard a term before. And then, you know, once I started doing some digging around, uh, like yourself, William, I was like, oh, this is exactly right. <laughs> what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And, uh, no, it's really great because everybody's echoing the same things that I love about the culture is that, um, you know, Brian was talking about this idea of systemic erasure, you know, uh, Iwani is talking about this idea of um, reclaiming 
the history of the past, or excuse me, the history of the future, my bad. We're talking about the history of the future because and that's what Lisa Yazik writes about. She's like, well, Afrofuturism is definitely like a reclamation of um, the history of the future because as you're stating, you know, you don't see yourself in that in that right. space, and you need to you need to reconcile that. You know, and he's in the needs to be reconciled. And also, too, I think there's this kind of like really, you know, um, energetic political reclamation of information, like this kind of like critical um, archiving that I think that we do as well. You know, that which which seems to be part of everybody's practice is to go find these things and then collect them and actually kind of um, interpret them and put them away for people to, to study. That's why I like the idea of uh, John Confer's, um, oh, what is it called? The, the data thief. The data thief. Yeah, the data thief of like, he's a time traveling archeologist that's putting aside pieces of, you know, and trying to decode black history and black uh, creative culture, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I want to pop up real quick. J.R. Poole on YouTube says, here in Pittsburgh, artist Alicia Wormsley had a billboard that read, there are black people in the future, and it met with objections. Yeah. Yeah, I actually just answered him. That's what I was doing. I was answering him on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, I, I totally understand it, because even when it comes to manga, this poor representation of black people. I mean, mm -hmm. there was even a meme that said something about manga and anime are supposed to be a perfect world. And if black people are in it, that ruins the entire premise of it. I'm like, oh, wow. It's crazy that people really think of this. But that's why mm -hmm. Melissa Kimball said this world does not move without black creativity. They can mm -hmm. say what they want. But at the end of the day, when we create things. It's just different. It sets a tone, a standard. And Afrofuturism, just as you, know, you mentioned before, expounds on that to a deeper level. Mm -hmm. you, I think that's what think about the, um, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead, Brian. If you think about the power, like you're saying, of, of black creativity, look at the last, I mean, obviously, uh, John was talking about it with regard to his book release. Look at the last week, look what's happened, right? Uh, look at the last year, before, honestly, before yeah. Black Lives Matter, there was no tag, right? There was no all lives matter, blue lives, you know what I mean? Like now all lives, quote unquote, matter, because that phrase was coined by black people. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we are Breonna Taylor, we are Tamir Rice, we are Mike Brown, and then, you know, we are France. Um, it's a continuing thing where uh, the the creativity that, that we delve into, that is is part of our culture, part of our DNA, um, is, is incorporated into the world, and then that racing part comes in. Again, look at last week, if last week had been different, if it had gone differently, that, that's gonna be part of the point of everything that happens. Struggle to erase, you know, civil war too, so that you can erase all the steps that we've made and put us mm -hmm. back into whatever you thought was okay, yep. whatever you thought you was a thing that we were. Yeah, yep. that's exactly what I was going to say. Last week was about equity and, and and restorative justice, right? That was when we're when we're fighting for an equity and and restorative justice. This is the last week was a response. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. almost like a, a, I almost want to not use this term, but a good gauge to clock whether you are. Um, am I being progressive? Are we making are we are we are we really progressing? Are we making the future more equitable? Mm -hmm. Well, if nobody's saying anything, if the white supremacists ain't fighting back, then, <laughs> then you might want to check that. Right. Exactly. When they, when they, I mean, storming the Capitol is about like the, the liberation or, or halting the liberation. Of, of underrepresented people, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that is exactly what it's about. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
I totally echo that. Yeah, because uh, what's the phrase? And I keep forgetting who said this, but you know, I always mention it. But it's like the phrase goes, um, uh, "To the privileged, equity feels like oppression." Yep. Mm-hmm. To, to privilege, equity feels like oppression. You're so used to actually being the center of everything and 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 anything like you know catering to you that you know you're perceiving it as a loss. You know, not realizing that you know when everybody went and it's like you know a rising tide carries all ships, right? Yeah. You know, you want you should in a society like ours, you should want everybody to have you know representation of themselves to see you know everyone do well if you really care about those things. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But you know that's obviously you don't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the thing. And you know, um, it's a painful thing to see the truth. You know, or the truth of the matter is that the country that we live in has never been an equitable country ever. You know, we we've only been a democracy since. Uh, you know, black people started getting the vote, right? I mean, truly, right? Yeah. Which is fairly recent. So, I was gonna say, are, are we? I mean, we kind of are now. Are well, we, no, I mean, yeah, you know no, we're, like, we're still. I was being, I was being facetious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, because um, I was more of an oligarchy or like a meritocracy or some other type of construct. But you know, um, Afrofuturism gives us the tools to imagine better spaces. You know, yeah. make better choices to warn people. Like, Think how things could go sideways, like Sister Octavia Butler in the Parable of the Sword series. That's what exactly. Those are warnings, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And if you step outside the door right now, you in Parable of the Sword. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> pretty damn close. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing yeah. is, if you ever want to know what's going to affect the country or affect the world tomorrow, you just got to look at what's affecting Black people today. Canary. Any, any problem that folks are complaining about, any anything that people are talking about we've been talking about but because we're marginalized because we are ignored those stories are never heard so you know people now act like they came up with something when they start talking about negative representation in the press we've been talking about that that's oh, yeah, that story yeah so that's something we've been talking about and all of a sudden everyone wants to say fake news and all these different things and right. the way i look at it is you know black folks are the battery we supply the the energy for the culture and when you want to have something that you want the world to buy into, it becomes important to have black folks be part of that movement if you really want it to go global. And we see that time and time again. Just like any battery, once you put it in the toy, once you put it in the device, you've forgotten all about it. You know, and you don't pay attention to that battery again until you need that battery. So that's the way I look at our existence in this country, where the battery, and like I said, the battery gets ignored. That's, wow. that's a great analogy. Yeah, it is. Um, Sevens are on Instagram says uh, he, he I, I'm assuming it's a he. I, I may be falsely assuming that, but um, that that person wishes there was his phone service could keep up um, and to DM the forum for these type of topics. Um, you can watch us after the fact, Sevens are. Either we're a podcast, too. But w- where are some places that you gentlemen know of where people can go to discuss this or read more about this? Let's just jump to that right now. Mm. Well, well, there's there's quite a few discussions um, that are happening. I think you just have to be tuned into it. Um, recently, you know, I was honored with being part of a uh, futuristic or futures, a Black Futures Forum on two occasions through UNESCO. Mm-hmm. Um, part of those conversations. Yeah. Uh, when when things were public, you know, I, I found myself part of these conversations across the country. Um, so for me, I don't know what, what everyone else would say to this. I would say there are quite a few uh sources quite a few locations and places um and if 
I'm sure, you know, like I know, like I said, I'm always putting out where I am and so forth. And I know these gentlemen are as well. So just by following us, that also would introduce you to a lot of these conversations. Yeah, because I, I share this stuff whenever I get it. Uh, and I would also say, like, we're, you know, I, I would like to know more about what, what is meant by that question, because right. like whenever and whenever black people are gathering, we talk. This is what we're talking about. Like until we're free, the only conversation is about getting free. Depending on how we you think about that, right? If you're in your local barbershop, you know, and and we winning. If you're talking about we winning or whether we losing, we talking about Afrofuturism, right? right. So mm -hmm. it depends on how you know. If you're talking about really cool black science fiction where black people are centered, um, that's that's sometimes that's a you know a more nuanced type of conversation that might be taking place somewhere. So I'm not really sure exactly, you know, when, when the question is asked where these types of conversations are happening, because we're talking about, you know, cool black futures and we're also talking about politics. So, um, and those things are intersect very easily for us, you know? So I, I think that whenever we're gathered, this is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I also think the follow stream is, um, the follow stream is really, really important. I know that I've, I've probably interacted with all of you through comments on right. Facebook, right? Someone else's right. comment, and and you got to be uh, willing to. I've done my share of searches. It's not hard um, to type in Afrofuturism in, in Facebook, and mm -hmm. and I, and I say it's not hard because you're going to find a hundred groups that come up, and, and we're going to be individually in fifty of them a piece. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of overlap. Um, mm -hmm. If you want these conversations and you want to find them, um, you have to look, but you don't have to yeah, look hard. We really are, yeah. We, it's easy to find us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, um, to piggyback off what Brian was saying, there are many Afrofuturism groups on Facebook. I post in multiple of them daily. Right. Right. <laughs> there's also events as well. Like um, yeah. recently, Afro Comic Con, they had um, yeah. different panels, and I was able to moderate one oh, yeah, on yeah. why oh, Afrofuturism yeah. matters. So there's yeah. panels as well as there's groups on Facebook and Instagram and other social media as well. Yeah. Afrofuturism 2.0. Yeah, Afrofuturism 2.0. Uh, yep. uh, the state mm -hmm. of black yeah. fiction. State of black yeah. science yeah. fiction. Mm -hmm. um, black, was it black comics? Um, C O M I X. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Age of black comics. Uh, black comics creators. There's a ton of them. Yeah, yeah. black comics. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of Comic Con mm -hmm. focused on black themes and so forth. That um, you know, when we had them in person, they were going on across the country, and now folks have moved to the virtual world. Yeah, built on right, they're going on like now. <laughs> you know, it's just right. <laughs> Yeah, right, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. two of the biggest uh, black and brown cons, right? Yeah, in the world. Yeah, yeah. right now, actually. Yep. That's right, and up, up until like MLK Day. So it's like you know, yeah, yeah just let your fingers do the walking. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Black Comic Book Festival at the Schomburg, and then the other yeah, one yeah, is yeah. Yeah. Uh, Black Con. Comic Arts Festival. Yeah, yes. Con is another Black, one. That's Black, Black, Con, Black Comics Day. Blurred yeah. Con uh, in February, yeah. well, not next February, no. Yeah. I hope everybody's taking notes. Yeah, I hope, I hope yeah. so too, because I, I know that's a really common question. And, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, they're, they're, sometimes when something, you don't see something, we assume it doesn't exist, right? Yeah. You know, oh man, we need to have you know black comic book black superheroes. We do. Out of almost a hundred years, <laughs> like we right, right, right. You know, right. Uh, but you know, when you don't see it, we assume that it doesn't exist, and we have right. to you know make sure that we are visible. But that search is really important as well because we we're out there and we are killing it. 
Mm-hmm. And, 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 and on that note, I would also add that please remember, folks, you are voting with your dollars. Um, there's oftentimes a huge divide between what we say we want and what we pay for. And that's where a lot of times uh, we fail. One of the motivations, this is the second Comic-Con that I'm going to be holding. One of the motivations for me was, you know, I just got tired of people saying, you know, where do I find it? Like the question was just posed and so forth. And I knew the creators were there because I met them. So yeah. I think that if we're going to say we want something, we have to be willing to support it. And, um, you know, in speaking with a lot of these comic book creators, you know, uh, they run into these uh, obstacles where they're putting a book out and folks are looking at it and because it's not, you know, Marvel, DC or whatever, and the price may be a little different, all of a sudden they're rejecting it. And I've also had black comic creators tell me they get the sense that sometimes black patrons are embarrassed to be at their table, mm. you know. Uh, so I would, multiple times. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I would say, you know, if we're going to say we want these things, we also have to vote with our dollars. Mm-hmm. 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 I absolutely agree. agree. Why we started co-founding these these spaces to create like a network of content. Um, actually, uh, I want to be on a panel with uh, Spike Trotman, uh, Andre Owens. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Ron Wembley and uh, Jason Reeves. Uh, because you know Jason, Jason Reeves, Milton Davis, and Andre Owens have started a black independent, you know, distribution company. Yeah, they Yeah, yeah. with like distributing black independent work, and then of course, C. Spike Trotman is the queen of like Kickstarters, and right. honestly, is like the largest kind of publisher, um, right in Chicago. You know, so, mm-hmm. um, That's a great point, John. And I'm going to take a break right here because we actually plugged the big distro, and so I'm going to run their ad. Dick, we just wanted to bring the vibe of like an indie comic convention to the retailers. For you out there right now, those of you who always are coming to conventions and saying, can you find your comics on the web? Well, now you can at BigDistro.com. Like the creativity and the art and the writing is comparable to mainstream comics and in some instances even superior. Right. That was um, right on time. That was right on time. Um one, one of, uh, for the person who asked the, the question about like where you find the the uh Afrofuture stuff, I would start with like things like Af- uh, the Afrofuturism book by Yatasha Womack. Um the um uh oh my goodness, I'm forgetting the name of it right now. Sherry Renee Thomas's series, Dark Dark Matter. Yeah. Dark Matter, mm-hmm. God. Uh, Dark Matter, you know, one and two, you know, which mm-hmm. is which is the anthology. There's also Bill Campbell and um, and Ed uh, Ed's uh, piece too, Mothership from Rosarian, you know, it's a good spot too. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, you can look at uh, Ronaldo Anderson's book if you want like a really deeper, like more um, academic view of like how Afrofuturism is changing. He has two books. Uh, that he co-authored, I mean, he co-edited. So yeah. Yeah, so those are good places to start, you know. I would also say, and and check out Black Comics Returns. Yeah. I got my copy right right there. You can't really see it, but it's right there. Yeah. (laughs) 
So a couple, a couple comments I want to get to from from social media. Um, embracing my inner geek says, um, do any of you have Kickstarters going for us to vote with our dollars? Uh, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have one currently, but uh, February 19th, Nightfall Part 2 will oh. drop. Um, so we are gearing up that obviously it's the continuing series of nightfall which is going to be five plus in total we will finish it up before the end of the year uh there's no all gas no breaks there will be options and tiers for everyone to get caught up with issue one get issue two even get issue one of justice back a little bit of our catalog uh, so we can keep bringing you guys the material that you actually are asking for and have supported us greatly so far so follow wingless comics on instagram facebook and you'll get all the updates we should definitely uh, cross from O'Brien because mine kicking off on February first. Cipher Team issue one no, on the Kickstarter. No, for awesome. that. no doubt, man. Yeah, so, no, no doubt, bro. I would definitely start. I'll put that up there. Let people know to look out for yeah. part two. Okay. No doubt. Part anything, um, coming out? Well, well, John has John and uh, Stacy both have books that have just been dropped or are about to drop. Um, you can um, Amazon them, I'm sure, and search mm -hmm. them out. Um, so, that cover is beautiful. I can't wait to be happy about the bones, John. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Box of uh, is paid for by Kickstarter. So thank you. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Um, awesome. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't have a Kickstarter, okay. but uh, I don't know if you can see it. Yes. Go check it out. <laughs> Ex Convo, Goddess and the African King. Find that on Amazon. You find it on my website. And uh, working on the second one right now. So got my fingers cool. crossed for that one. That should be coming I out soon. Thank you. And and you want is is um plug your book, man. Oh, okay. We're doing this now. Saga right there. Oh, dope. Nice. Afrofuturism yeah. manga for the culture by the culture. It's oh, actually okay. it's an acronym. Bold is brave um right there. Bold. Brave onwards limit destroyer. destroyer. There you go. So that's basically what it's about. I'm taking notes. Okay. Right? <laughs> so they just got purchased, bro. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Know, uh, one of the things that, Go ahead. Oh, no. I just wanted to say, you know, while, while we're talking about voting with our dollars, another thing that I'd like to say and oftentimes talk about this is um, the other thing that, that we cannot do as part of this Afrofuturous movement is we can't be ashamed of it. Uh, I think too often we're, we're embarrassed to claim what is ours. We're embarrassed to claim what we come up with. And we're embarrassed to say to other people, like, if you're going to be part of this, you know, this is our house kind of a thing. And we can't be afraid to circle the wagons around it because, you know, as part of this thing of, of, of voting with your dollars, if you don't do that, other interests will come in that don't necessarily have your best interest at heart. And they will take it, reshape it and sell it back to you. And it's going to look like something different. So when you're seeing all of us and the names that you guys just mentioned, putting Did you out say it's going to look like hip hop at the Olympics. Exactly. <laughs> Break dancing for the queen, you know, <laughs> for the queen in England, you know. Uh, so that's the other thing that that I would say we have to to be cognizant of is, you know, it's okay to say this is ours. It's okay yeah. to say, you know, it's Afrofuturism and emphasize the Afro. You know, if someone wants to uh, be part of anime culture, there are certain rules they have to follow. They have to recognize certain aesthetics. They have to recognize the rules that come with it, recognize it's Japanese ancestry, yes, yeah, influenced by American uh, um, aesthetic and American comics, but there's something special and unique about it. And I think that if we're talking Afrofuturism, 
that's the thing that always concerns me when we come up with something like you mentioned hip hop that we created, get embarrassed by it, don't see the viability in it. We're waiting for other people to kind of put their stamp of approval on it. And then by that time we've lost it and then become something mm -hmm. intended okay. to be. I have to co-sign that definitely yep. because I was gonna say, like, you know, um, one thing about hip hop culture is that, you know, you know, being in a, in the academy, being a professor, teaching in, in, in that particular space, you know, you have people who poo-pooed something like hip hop as, you know, just kind of like a fly by night culture. I and mean, then we're playing catch up. And now you actually have, you know, a an, an archive at Harvard on hip hop. Yep. You have an archive at Cornell that's a hip hop archive, right? Because now you realize it was like this amazing social movement and, and very powerful creative culture. Now, what's interesting about it is because a lot of us geeks ended up in the academy, um, the, the the academy has been driving a lot of the conversations around Afrofuturism long before, you know, Black Panther or Janelle Monet and all this stuff jumped off. So I think that's really interesting. And, you know, I've never seen a, um, a culture so entrenched in so many different spaces. It's really kind of crazy. We're in a, a very interesting, like, cultural historic moment right now because we're talking comics, film, music, uh, politics, you know, spirituality, you know, you know, it's, that, you know, that's why I came with this term, the black speculative arts movement, because to me, it's like the next iteration of, right. you know, the arts movement that was connected to the black power struggle. So, yeah, because it's there, you know, you have same people in the streets, you know, marching for Black Lives Matter who go home and write science fiction stories, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing to me. Yeah, I, I'd like, also like to add that I think that, and this is something I've been thinking about for a while, is that in this particular moment in, in time, in history, and you know, we are uniquely situated, right? Mm -hmm. We're at a time where, uh, for example, there was 30 years ago when I was, you know, with the scholars I was studying, they were actually fighting to defend writing books about Africa being the, the foundation of civilization. Right. 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 And people were writing counter narratives yes. at that time. Yeah. And I was coming up on those scholars, the right. Chancellor Williams, John Henry Clark, et cetera, right. et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Right. Nobody does that right now. Nobody argues that right now. Right. right? right. You can find that on PBS. PBS did an entire right. series on that. Right. right. So we have, in part, we have our past. We're uniquely situated where we have the technology, almost like everyone has almost the same level of technology, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we have, we have, and then, but while we have this technology with this knowledge of our past, we also have uniquely in this time, a vision of what the Afro future, what a black liberated future can look like. Because mm -hmm. Afrofuturism is actually now popular culture. Right. right. Yes. So literally, <laughs> it's like we are existing in three points in time right now, which is the first time that really in my studying of, of American history, I know that I actually see that we're we're situated so uniquely and so perfectly to actualize our black liberated futures. Mm -hmm. Right. Not to say that is perfect, but. I, I think I think that we're like I said we're uniquely situated and this is a beautiful moment in some very particular ways mm -hmm. and I think which you know, if we don't think so guess what those who stormed the Capitol definitely believe in this right exactly. which which to Stacy's point is is important that we ensure that this movement and what we're doing doesn't get co-opted uh, right. if you with, with, like you said with 
technology, with TikTok, with all the things that we have at our fingertips now, and going back to hip hop, you have people talking about, um, oh yeah, this new thing that they do, DJs do with Colts Load and Reverb, and we've been doing Chopped and Screwed for 25 years, you know, exactly. the reinvention of an idea because they've, they've, they've heard it now and then co-opted it and said, oh, hey, yeah, DJ, whoever invented it five years ago. And like I said, we've been doing it for 20 right. years. It's so important that yeah. obviously they can't take the cultural aspect of Afrofuturism, of black speculative fiction, but they can take what they've tried to do so many times and taking the heart of an idea that we have. They try to take the heart of the idea of hip hop and like, oh, anybody can do it without the struggle of what I call like the um, the Jurassic Park theory. In Jurassic Park, they talk about, oh yeah, um, like your science, our scientists, you know, did this. And they said, no, your scientists didn't study anything. They just took the next natural step and they never right. had to do the steps before it so that they understand the gravity of what they're doing. And that's what these co-opted movements, like being a kid from the 90s and seeing that Black Power age of hip hop and seeing what it is now and seeing how that got co-opted, it's so important that we keep our strength and, and like Stacey said, you know, circle the wagons when we need to and, and oust those that aren't um, doing what's right for the movement itself and trying to let it be co-opted and become something that it's not. Mm -hmm. I want to pop up this real quick. Uh, JR um, Pool again says he has about 13 links to cons on his website. JR, pop right. your website in the comments and we will pop it up there. And then Dan Schmidt, author of Worms Crawl In, who I just wrote a review about on IndieComicsDispatch.com, and it's a fantastic book, um, said, this is being recorded, right? Of course, Dan, of course. It's <laughs> um, always recorded, Dan. What is it? And then Black on Both Sides, NYC on Instagram says, William's book, The Ex-Con Voodoo Priest, Googled, and The African King, I think something, um, is an amazing read. Um, oh, so a little shout out for you there, William. Thank you. Thank you. Um, a lot about writing and and comic books in particular this is the indie comics dispatch so people probably just assume we're talking only about um comic books but afrofuturism is not just about comics it's about yeah. so much more than that so what are some other um genres um that people might not expect afrofuturism to pop up in wow um, you name it uh, it's, well that's why i think it qualifies as a, as a different type of artistic movement because uh, just, just, just to be clear about it. I mean, when Afrofuturism gets coined, you know, it's um, primarily thinking about literature, right? Because you know, Derry interviews Sam Delaney, um, Trisha Rose, and Greg Tate in that in Black is Black, uh, Black to the Future, which is where the term is coined, right? And so, music, of course, uh, is another aspect where you, you know, Afrofuturism is, is pretty prevalent in film. So, all, honestly, all the media—I mean, it's, it's a it's a transmedia uh, cultural expression. And actually, you know, if you look at like the original Dairy article, um, comics are juxtaposed with the definition. You know, because they because he's talking about milestone media. If you look at that original article that um, the term appears in, you know. Uh, the only image that isn't a comic is actually Ramel Z. It's a Ramel Z image, you know. Mm. Other than that, everything else is comics. So, you know, so I, so we've been trying to like reconnect Afrofuturism to comics. That's why you know it seems like it's prevalent, but it's in every type of culture, even like dance. I mean, you have yeah, 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 yeah. Out music, jazz, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. fashion. You know, yeah, fashion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like yeah, it's a, it's a, it's become 
it's become mainstream. That's the thing, which is a good thing, I think, in some ways. You have to, you have to like Brian said, you have to, you know, control that particular space. But when it becomes uh, something that pe that's on people's minds, you know, that creates a market space for you too, because you can utilize the market to, you know, empower yourself economically too. But we still are in a capitalist space. You must be clear about that. Important. Yeah, controlling the narrative is actually very important. Um, one thing. Yeah, oh, so I thought you were done. Go ahead, John. Mm -hmm. No, last thing I was going to say is uh, one of the things I think was a, that helped proliferate this this latest version of Afrofuturism was what Stacy was talking about earlier was the the ubiquitous nature of the democratization of tools, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody can actually like you know get um, Adobe you know Creative Suite and you know we can do things like this. You can actually you don't necessarily need um, you know a large company that to put out your work anymore, and it's kind of level mm -hmm. playing field. You know, so if you think about the advent of, say, like the powerful way that smartphones do internet access and also printing on demand technology, I think it's a turning point, too, as far as like how we get our ideas out. Anyway, go ahead, Stacey, I'm sorry. I was also thinking about mental health, right? So imagine yeah. like when the when the pandemic first jumped off and we were in quarantine, you know, uh, DJs like, for example, D-Nice blew it yeah. wide open and kept yeah. us sane. Right, like that first weekend, like where I think it was like 20,000 people came through, then the next night, like maybe 50. Right. By third night, like a hundred over 100,000 people came through, right? And we were all listening, we were all following, like for that moment of time. And, and it wasn't just him, but other DJs, right? Mm -hmm. Were coming on and going live. And it was crazy. I remember when I got back here, like on June 1st, I tried to order DJ equipment and it took like two months to get here, just to get like a pair of turntables. They were like, yeah, technically it's out of turntables. They got to make that. I'm like, why? Because everybody and their mother was becoming a DJ, right? Yeah. So when you look at what was, you know, the, what, and, and I'm not saying it's solely because of D-Nice, but you know, I mean, yeah, seriously, yeah. Like, like what he did to keep us sane and healthy as we were in the house, right? Couldn't go anywhere and, and didn't understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. That was just as much Afrofuturism as an Octavia Butler, you know, mm -hmm. prophetic book written in, in, in the 90s, right? Yeah. In the mid 90s, or, or anything that's coming out, you know, any, you know, just as powerful as Black Panther. Right, like there, we don't have a, a a Black Panther type of Wakanda future that we want to imagine and activate if we don't have mental health right now. That's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so we got to think about that also, in my opinion, as Afrofuturism, if we want to really start looking at what Afrofuturism is. You know, and, and to that point. Oh, sorry. Right? No, no, go ahead. On your. Oh, I just wanted to say to that point. You know, I think mythology is a big part of mental health you know i think the storytelling seeing yourself in these positive lights seeing yourself as creators in these stories and so forth and i think that that is something we cannot underestimate the power of myth and how that can um, build up a people or tear them down mm -hmm. so that's another reason why for me it is so important that you know all these folks that are out here documenting this movement the folks that are contributing to it you know that's why it's important, once again, that we circle the wagons around it, because that myth building is is a big part of mental health. Because, you know, as we've proven time and time again, you know, when you see yourself in that negative light, you start to carry yourself, you know, thusly, you know, so to see yourself in that positive light, to see yourself as the hero, as the heroine, you know, heck, even as the villain, 
you know, to see mm-hmm. yourself in all these different spaces, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, um, I think that it, that goes a long way in terms mm-hmm. of mental health. Mm-hmm. Yes, and to even continue off what you're saying, William, um, there was a quote that was said, um, basically, story is the greatest catalyst for change, and that was Jordan mm-hmm. Peele, and that just adds to it. The myth, the story, it's so essential. It's so yeah. important. Well, yeah. well this and is a good um, transition. The, uh, Go ahead, Brian. Uh, I was going to say, there's also the the fact that there are some of us that, that didn't realize how entrenched in Afrofuturism and, Af- and Black speculative fiction we've been our entire lives. I mean, we've been doing Afrofuturism since, you know, Missy did the uh, I Can't Stand the Rain video, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and the Mega Man video, and Buster, and you know what I mean? And, and, and so getting it, like you said, like John said, um, of like this mixed media and this transmedia movement of, 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 of who and what our culture is, was, and could be, is such an important part, again, of, of the mental health and of having a picture of, of of what we are. Because, I mean, if you look at, again, if we if we talk about the last week, people try to act like we didn't exist before they brought us on ships. And then after they reluctantly had to free us, that we weren't anything, which is the, the farthest from the truth in terms of our culture, the depth of character, the depth of history, and, and everything that we are that pushes our entire culture forward. And then in, in turn pushes their culture forward. Like like we all said, that, you know, where the battery, where does that battery come from? Where does that energize? It comes from all the things that we are and all the things that this culture is. Um, so um, two, two, two things, um, a comment from the Books of Ty on Instagram, um, indie comic creator, um, upcoming indie comic creator, um, Posts his books on on Instagram. Um, it's a chance. He says it's a chance for us to discuss our ideas. Talking about Afrofuturism, um, it's a chance for us to discuss our ideas, our experiences, our voices. A chance for what we didn't have back in the day. Um, um, and then uh, Black on Both Sides NYC wants to know how does the panel feel about Marvel's decision not to recast T'Challa in Black Panther? I mean, I'll start it. This this how I feel about it. I feel is Marvel's way of not having to do another Black led movie. Mm-hmm. That's what I personally yes. think. Yeah, because I mean, why why not? I mean, you've recast other characters. We got like mm-hmm. five. If you count the TV shows, what seven Superman? If you go right. all the way way back, you know. And then if you look at Marvel movies, there's been two or three I mean, Captain Americas, if you count the TV shows, and then the old movie in the, in the, in the 90s, and then the new TV movie now. Recast. Two roadies. Yeah, two roadies. So, I mean, yeah. so this is what I would say real quick, is is that I think this discussion, well, not in general, right, but I think this the, the question kind of has to wait for number three to come out, right? Because if they mm. just pause for number two to give him the respect because he died, and they're like, okay, we're going to hold off one movie, and if they do the right thing in number three and they recast or recast, even if they don't recast T'Challa himself, right? If they recast the lead as a black actor, then they've done right by whomever. And, and so know, far, they said they're just not going to do it for number two. Now, if they do it for number three, then, hey, pitchforks, fire, let's do what we got to do. But if, yeah, so, so, I mean, if, what, if they honor him for number two mm-hmm. because of how he died, because look, they didn't, they didn't recast the. Heath Ledger died after Dark Knight. He was supposed to be in Rises. They didn't recast him. They waited, and it went, you know, five years, and then they did it again. You know, they did Joker again, the character again. So if they're just honoring the death, 
and then the next iteration they do the right thing, then I think it should one hand should wash together. So how are they planning to do part two? Because I heard from people I know that they're not even planning to do part two, which is the reason why I said what I said. Something brewing. Stacey has something brewing. Okay. Yeah. I do. So here's the thing. This is what I want to see. This is what Stacey wants to see. I want to see. I want to see T'Challa in the ancestral realm. Mm. I want to see him there with Eric Killmonger. Mm. Mm. Too, right? Nope. So he yep. would be in the ancestral world. I want to see. I want to see that cipher, and I want to see. <laughs> I want to see Sherry access that. Yep. Yeah. She that's, did it. She did it in the comics. That's right. <laughs> she did it in the comics. That, yeah. That's how I look at it. Like a lot of people are against her taking it, but I mean, why not? She she became Black Panther in the comics, and yes, then if you do exactly that. that and have her brother, that's, I mean, to me, that's homage, have her brother yeah. saying, you you have the mantle now, exactly. and she goes to the ancestor range. That can be homage for his death. That could be paying respects to his death also. Yeah, you know, I, I they, got, they, they got all this. They just brought Luke Skywalker back in, in The Mandalorian. They can they can put, um, they could put him in there. They Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> right there, you took it out of my mouth. Yep. There's, there's no way they're not going to make another one. Though. It's, just, it's just too, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Marvel is, is, you know, they want to make money. The Marvel yeah. corporation. Corporation. Successful, you know, films I've ever made. So, yeah, that's going to happen. I mean, well, one of the things I was thinking about is what about doing a story about, you know, Shuri having to access an adventure of their father, T'Chaka, actually. Yeah. You know, because, you know, they're, you know, they're, the Black Panther is a mantle that's passed out. Right. Mm -hmm. generation. So, mm -hmm. anyway, I was going to say, oh, you know what I was thinking about? Is, can I ask a question right quick? Is it, yeah. yeah. So to talk about Marvel and stuff, um, how do you feel about um, uh, uh, characters that were created in the black exploitation era, like Luke Cage and the Falcon and characters like that, that we've actually kind of like come to know and kind of love, but a character like Brother Voodoo, like what are your thoughts about a character like Brother Voodoo, for instance? You know, what do you think, you know, Dr. Voodoo, the hero version, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you feel about this character? I, I like Dr. Voodoo. Uh, or but I think he needs to be probably be revamped a yep. little bit. But I do like him. I do like the character. Uh, I just think that they probably should reach out to people who are actually in that culture to understand more, mm -hmm. so that they can do do right by him. Yeah. Well, William had a smile. I want to hear William's opinion on this. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like I, I think what happens is a lot of times when we see, especially you know, talking about that that era, when we see black characters, what we're really seeing is someone else's idea of what a black person is. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you have that black creativity behind the scenes, if they are knowledgeable, that's the other thing we got to get away from just because it's a black creator that doesn't mm -hmm. guarantee a certain outcome. If they're yeah. knowledgeable mm -hmm. of the topic and they're respectful of it, you get a more honest um, representation. I remember looking at Luke Cage on Netflix mm -hmm. and I was like, there's no way they can retell this the way it was told when it originally came out. And it seemed to me that they recognized some of the mistakes or what intentional or not that the original creator of Luke Cage made and they yeah. corrected it. I remember yeah. the great scene when he looked in a mirror and he had the, the yeah. like a, I look like a slave. So I think that when you have that sensitivity behind it, you get a better representation. You talk about um, Brother Voodoo. I remember watching the Doctor Strange movie, getting so excited in the theater when I saw a drum in the sanctum. So yeah. I'm like, oh man, I don't know who caught that, but I got excited. Yeah, yeah, I got I was like, yeah. Yeah, 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 ye
Exactly. I'm, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for them to bring him, but I don't exactly. know what they're going they to. Would. But well, I remember um, uh, Papa Midnight, I think, is a, mm-hmm. is a great example of what happens when you have uh, sensitive representation behind a character. You look at his original incarnation in the Hellblade yeah. series. I mean, he was straight out of some 1940s movie, you know, mm-hmm. uh, about voodoo. And then you yeah. get Matt Johnson taking over doing the miniseries that puts yeah. him in the, in the context of the Conjurer Man, you know, yeah. that historic context. So to your point, uh, Professor Jennings, I'm thinking, you know, you got to have that sensitivity and knowledge behind the character, revamp them, bring them back. Because I, I really, I don't know what we're going to get into this, but this idea of just switching races of a character, when you have so many black characters that already existed, I'm like, bring those guys up, bring those women up and tell those mm-hmm. stories. You know, no, so no, I don't know. Because yeah, yeah, Britt and I talk about that all the time. Like I, I I personally hate that. Like, and I think right. it gives me a lot of a lot of other black creators hate me because of that. Because I hate that. I've been writing black characters ever since I can all of my main characters have been black ever since I was in the first grade, you know. So to see a white character like you know turn black to me is kind of a spit in the face because I'm like someone can you can get somebody to, to either bring back the black characters that we have or create a brand new black character why do we have to get you know the remantling you know black captain america black wonder woman black superman why do we have to get that why that to me that scraps you know that's if that's like me sitting at a dog bowl and my parents get finished with their food and they're like oh here's the bones like that's how i feel every time i see that i know a lot of people like that but i don't like I hate it. Well, I passion. think it's about controlling. Uh, <laughs> I think it's about controlling narratives, though, right? Because yeah. some of these older characters. I mean, we brought up like Luke Cage on Netflix, right? So Luke Cage on Netflix, the music and the vibe of that show was right. Do I think Mike Coulter mm-hmm. was a correct actor? Not necessarily, but okay, it is what it is. Right. Season yeah. one was was good. I think season two wasn't as good. Um, really? I love in, in certain too. ways. Uh, the villain, what's <laughs> called? Dope of season two. But um, yeah, the villain. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but um. But one of the, I think one of the things that we, as people, should do and can do in terms of when when characters are 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 not are, are recreated as black characters is controlling that narrative and controlling mm-hmm. how we feel about. It. A lot of times it's mantles, right? When we talk about a black Captain America, it's the mantle that is passed off. There you right? go. And so if we have a black Superman, that's the mantle that is passed off. But it's here's my thing. Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne could be a black dude. <laughs> Batman could. Be a yeah. black dude, and he actually should be. If you go historically, right? If you go, his parents were do- was a, his dad was a doctor. The time he was created, the city he was in, but the mantle of the bat could be something different. Again, the mantle of Superman could be something different. The mantle yeah. of Kid Flash, you know. I get that, but what I'm saying man. is, but this is what I'm saying. The why make Clark Kent black? Will you have Vazad? He's black yeah. Superman yeah. from Earth, from Earth yeah. Two. You yeah. there is there is a Superman um, who's actually just called the Superman. Clark Kent fought him and said that he is stronger. He was like he's stronger than me. Guess what? The Superman is a black man from mm-hmm. another from another Earth. Use those I agree with you, right? Just yeah. like just like but, Wonder, just like but, Wonder Woman. You have you have her sister, her sister Nubia. Yeah. Just bring Nubia back. Why make Wonder Woman black when you got Nubia? No, no, that's no, what no. I'm getting at. I agree but but how many of those characters has that happened to? I mean, in, in actuality, right? So Blur mm-hmm. would be we're turning. Wonder Woman Black, right? Like that's the blurb. But when you mm-hmm. go into the actuality of it, it is a new character. I'll use um no, it's Barry Allen. It is um who is the second flash? Who's Kid Flash? 
You're talking about, um, 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 no, he's Barry Allen. I'm sorry. Wally, Wally Barry West. Allen. Yeah. Come on. No, Wally, Wally West, right? So yeah, Wally, Wally West. Yeah. They were like, oh, Wally West is now going to be black. Mm-hmm. But Wally West isn't black. There's still white Wally West. But yeah. the, uh, the, the black Wally West is from another dimension. So yeah. they're doing that. But again, it's 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 about mantles and narrative. Yeah. When the blurb is only, we're going to turn... We're gonna turn Spider-Man black. They didn't turn Spider-Man black. They created Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. So that is more of a tech that we as black creators need to be behind in terms yeah. of, oh, are they, but not only behind it, but behind it and and, and, and like William said, with, 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 with black creators that are mm-hmm. sensitive and knowledgeable, right? Mm-hmm. I want a Miles Morales book with somebody of color writing it mm-hmm. and making a great narrative, which they've done. Mm-hmm. That's a right. great thing. Yeah. That's, that's something that we should never be against. Yeah. But personally, yeah, I, think, I, think, I think with uh, I think with Mouse and Wally, they did those two correctly. Personally, yeah. I think yeah. because they, in in a sense, even though some people think that Mouse stepped on the toes of Peter Parker, that was to me more of a true pass on. Mm-hmm. And even the with Wally, steps on yeah. the old generation. Exactly, you know. Um, even with even with Wally, they when their new Fifty Two merged, you know, the convergence, all that stuff that happened, it brought in the new Fifty Two. They kind of already let you know that this was going to happen with all of that. So it was done more correctly. What I'm more getting at is just, oh, you want a black character? Here you go. We're going to make them black. And it's, to yeah. me, that's like, mm, yeah. you know, but, but, happen, but though, realistically, yeah. Say what? Say again. More more movies movies. When, when, is that, when does that happen realistically, though? <laughs> it's more in movies and television. Probably. It's more in movies and television. Stacy's been itching to say something, guys. After space, like, you know, yeah, I was, I was gonna shout out. You know, you know, sometimes, it, <laughs> you know, it. I, I was thinking about when people get it right, right, and, and sometimes I remember the argument used to be, we don't want nobody white writing uh, writing about us, right? Because they always get it wrong. <laughs> but when they get it right, we gotta shout them out, right? Yeah. And, and we, you know, we've shouted out like um, Brian Michael Bendis, he got it right. You know, with my Morales, right? Uh, I shout out like our, our colleague Damian Duffy, right? Who a lot of people don't know is white, right? Because he writes some of the dopest black stories, you know, and you know who adapted Octavia Butler's the the, the graphic novels, right? So and and a lot of people because his name is Damian, a lot of people think when they're, they're surprised when they meet him, you know. But he's another person who gets it right, right? And and John and I have been working with him for. John's been working with them longer, but we're, we have projects coming up and we've worked on things together. And he's another, he's a white cat who gets it right. He understands the culture, right? So I also wanted to add, I just wanted to add that because I think it's important. I think it's important that as creators, we have the ability to write any type of story, create any type of story about anybody that we want to, to write about, create about. But it's important to do the research and it's important to get it right. And when people get it right, we got to acknowledge that they got it right. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Because I know like even for my characters, even like just because I'm black, I don't know every black culture. Like I grew up in North Carolina. I grew up in North Carolina. You know, I grew up in the boonies, the sticks. What part? I'm not going to. What part of North Carolina? Trenton. Like a lot of people. <laughs> like I was in Fayetteville. Fayetteville. Okay. So we were about, mm, about 75 miles north east of you so in jones county uh my parents live in osborne county jacksonville now but um that's where i grew up at you know and there's black people who grew up in new york black people grew up in chicago black people grew up in miami you know all these different places like if i'm writing a character from new york i have friends from new york and i ask them hey 
what's the slang what's the terminology how would they react to this mm -hmm. to make it more authentic you know even for my white characters i'll ask a white friend, hey, hey, how would I do this? How would I make it more authentic? Like I have a character who's from French, France. Um, she's black. I don't under, I don't know what black people have had to go through in France. Right. I know what we had to go through in America. So I asked the question, like if I ever meet a black person or a French black person, like, is, does this sound right? Is this going right? Or did I do that wrong? You know? And to me, I think that helps um, if anyone does it. Um, the thing is, is unfortunately, some people don't. <laughs> they're right. just like, they just, you know, they people. watch a they watch a movie and they're like, right, hey, right, exactly. I'm just yeah. gonna write this the way that I saw it in that 1970s movie, you know. And it's like that's, but th but that's not us, you know. That's not everybody. Like all of us probably come from, you know, different walks of yeah. life, you know. Because yeah. I can tell you right now, Fayetteville, even though it's in North Carolina, Fayetteville is totally different from Trenton, totally different from Greensboro, totally different from Raleigh, you, you know. And that's all in the same state. But so John had a comment. So we're going to go to John, oh. and then we'll go to William yeah. and Yunar. You, you want sorry. My mouth. And then uh, we we want to get out of here because um, we don't want people's spouses mad at you, Arnie, for calling this meeting this evening. Um, <laughs> John, John, you have something to say? I want because it was it was to kind of uh, piggyback a little bit off of some things that Tia and Stacy was saying, and also Brian about about legacy about. Um, the what I used to call hand-me-down heroes is what I used to call them, you know. Um, particularly, particularly a character like Steel, which I have like you know some umbrage with because it's just different ideas kind of pastiched into a character. And I think what made me change how I thought about these characters was a character like Mr. Terrific, for instance. You know, Mr. Terrific, I think, is a really great, you know, um, update of a yes. character. The Crimson Avenger, as well, you know, from DC, uh, I think is a really great update of that character. And that's what made me start to think, like, oh, wait a minute. These characters are just legacy characters, you know, um, who happen to be Black. You know, because if you think about it, like, Barry Allen, you know, is the first legacy character. He's the, he's the, the Silver Age Flash, right? He shifts over from, uh, what's his face? Um, Jay Garrick. Jay right? Garrick, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from Jay Garrick, of course, you have, like, you know, uh, Alan Scott, who becomes, you know, Green. Green yeah, here's the Green Lantern, the first yeah, Green Lantern. Yeah, you have these legacy characters, and but up until this point, they've just all been white men, <laughs> you know. And so what happens is, you know, we start to get legacy characters who just happen to be other people, you know, who happen to represent more of, of what the world looks like. And that's that's the way I look at it. I say, oh, wait a minute, you know, the Crimson Avenger is a legacy. Like she's literally a legacy character because she's carrying the guns of the original. Uh, Crimson Avenger, they're haunted. And I thought that was a very clever way to, as you say, tear pass on the mantle, you know. And so that's what made me start to rethink. Okay, these are legacy characters, which is part of superhero the superhero lore. You know, the, the legacy character is part of how superheroes function, right? All the way back to like proto superheroes, like the Phantom, for instance, right? Literally, like based off the idea of passing down a mantle. And then, um, and so, yeah, so that's what I was, that's the way I think about it now. But I was on the same point. I was like, I don't need to, you know, I don't need these, as you say, straps. You know, I call them hand yeah. yeah. right? And I, but since then, I've actually changed my tune and realized that if you, what you're doing is like you're calling, you just call, we're calling the, the, the uh, we're, we're not normalizing the, 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 the past to a certain degree. We actually like are fact, focusing on the fact that they are quote unquote yeah. different. Right, but they're not. They're just people who happen to have more melanin in their skin, you know, and, and you know, come from a different you know background. But as you say, too, you can do it wrong, and you can do it right. And right, yeah. Right. You know, anyway, so that's I mean, yeah, because in my eyes, 
yeah, as long as they do it right, I'm okay with it. And I agree with both like what Brian was saying. I agree with what Brian was saying. I agree with what all of you were saying about it. It's just I think I've I've seen some where they were just done wrong. Yeah. yeah then I've seen some where they were done amazingly. You know, yeah. like for instance, Miles Morales, he was done amazingly. Uh, Wally West, he was done amazingly. Uh, uh, the, the so, I think what's the name Montoya? Is it uh, Montoya? Uh, yeah, question. yeah. Yeah, I thought the question, like her past one was done amazingly whenever she yeah. became the question. Detective Montoya, when she became the question. You yeah. know, some people, were, it, some characters is done right. You could tell someone actually thought about it. And I think that's more of what I'm getting at. They thought about, okay, we want to bring more black characters in. Right. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And they actually thought about the process rather than just slapping it on them. Doing it. Yeah, you know, and, and to me, those are it's two noticeable things, especially for me being a writer for as long as I have. I I see it and I'm just like, did you even think about this? Like you could have somebody could have sat down and thought about this, <laughs> you know, so. like, like when Captain America had a black Bucky. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Wait a minute, I don't know, if we want to do that. <laughs> um, I, I think you're more likely to see the switching and not the legacy in film and television. Yeah, I think that's where more likely you're going to see them taking the character out and putting yeah. the black guy, and you're like, What black human torch? What happened? That's mm-hmm. where you're more likely to see it, and I think because that's just this quick fix that a lot of time Hollywood hopes to have. Yeah. Hollywood trying to cash in on trends. Whereas yeah. at least in the comic medium, you got folks that are taking the time, giving it some thought. And like you said, many times they will get it right. Or at least it's the idea of they're simply passing it down. You don't have a black Bruce Wayne, you know? Right. Um, but I also think that we also have to recognize um, when you talk about folks that got it right, we got to recognize these black comic book creators that we're doing it right from the beginning. beginning. You know, so often mm-hmm. when we talk yeah. about black comic book characters, there's this long history where we see like in the beginning, they were these horrible stereotypes. And over time, folks had to be convinced to update their stories. Mm-hmm. But you know, you look at something like, uh, you know, like the Brother Man comic, you yeah. know, the Force. I mean, these guys were doing it right from the beginning. And for me, I love to shout those men and women out because they didn't have to be convinced they didn't have to be told. They did it right from the start, and there's right. nothing they had to go back and clean up. Yep. Well said. You Barney. All right. I think that that's so true, and you're so right. It does take a thought process to create an actual character properly. I think the essence is that people want to make something cool, but they don't really focus on the something. That's really where the research that comes in. That's where the actual thought comes in. And in the aspects of legacy, and even thinking about something cool in my story, um, I know that Akon said it best, you know, Shaka Zulu should be a superhero. I'm like, hmm. So as the story begins on page two, you see Shaka Zulu running right through the story. You know, now you're trying to sugarcoat it. So it literally takes the research because I'm really an artist by trade, but I actually did to do the research for two years. And in the story, they even speak Osa as well as Koi. Those are African languages. I'm from the Caribbean. I live in New York. I don't speak these naturally, but I had to do time to research it so it's authentic because people buy into authenticity because authenticity connects emotionally. It doesn't just look cool. It feels cool because it is because it's real. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. You want to pop this up. Uh, J.R. Poole posted, I popped it up earlier, but just to circle back, J.R. Poole posted his URL, theblackheroesmovement.world. Check that out if you're looking for black cons. Um, He's got some on his website, and I'm sure a whole 
world of black heroes, uh, according to the URL. So uh, check that out for sure. Um, gentlemen, as we wrap up here, I just want to say thank you again for this um, wonderful conversation this yeah. evening. And guys, if you if you are out there listening to this, this conversation, if you missed parts, want to go back and listen to it, it's going to be available as a podcast um, very soon on uh, all your major podcasting services. So search for us uh, Thursday, Friday, and uh, we should come up with episode 11 here. Yeah. Um, John, Stacy, William, Yuarney, Brian, um, thank you guys for being here tonight. This I'm was so a li- yeah, this I was enlightening. I usually talk more, but <laughs> I was just I was just listening, man. This was <laughs> I was just I listening thought- to all of you. Like this is a, this was enlightening, like, for real. Yeah. Thank you, yeah, thank you for real. coming on. Thank yeah, you, thank you. This is great. Thank yeah, you. yeah. Thank I want to shout out my homeboy, uh, Gerald Boney. <laughs> What's up, Gerald? Yeah. They said they were not going to use CGI on Chadwick Boseman. Um, yeah. oh, Gerald, okay. if you don't know Gerald's um, comics, get them. They are fantastic. I love, I love his comics. Um, look them up if you don't know about Gerald. So, um, mm-hmm. gentlemen, thank you again for being here. And guys, uh, we'll be here. Um, yeah, you know, I do my creator interview series on Sunday. Uh, tune in Sunday at, at 3 p.m. And we will uh, be do, interviewing another creator. We'll be back here again next Wednesday night with Plot Night, how to plot a good comic book. Um, mm-hmm. Tier that charge. Um, so um, tune in next week if you're new to the show this week. And um, and leave here some comments next week. Take yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Um, Interesting. Okay. Hope, you all, hope you all drop in. Hope you all drop yeah. in. Yeah. Thank Gentlemen, thank you again. Again, the Indie Comics Dispatch has a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Indie Comics Dispatch. If we get to 10 patrons, we're going to make Scorpio Chronicles play D&D with us live on air. Um, <laughs> if you haven't watched last week's episode, we talked for 20 minutes, and then he came in with, uh, what's D&D? Um, yeah. So they can play his first game of D&D. That's great. going to introduce him. <laughs> thank you again everybody out there watching thank you we will see you next time thank you take it easy thank you, take care have a good night. Night. peace